Hello everyone. Welcome to our Sunday episode of In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. I am Ishita Borwa, today's host of this podcast. I hope you have listened to our previous weekend episodes too. Today we have Varsha Bothakur with us. Varsha is a doctoral researcher at the Center for Commercial and Legal Studies School of Law at the Queen Mary University of London. where she researches green intellectual property and climate change law she is a recipient of the herschel smith scholarship granted by the university of cambridge she is researching whether climate mitigation technologies can be considered as a public good and climate change as a national emergency to construe under intellectual property law and non intellectual property abilities in a way to include such technologies she is working as a teaching associate of global ip law at queen mary university of london and was a mentor in the school of climate change hillary team 2021 oxford climate society university of oxford she has completed her ba llb honors from national law university assam india and llm from national law university Jodhpur, India, where she was the recipient of the Vandana Devendra Mehta Memorials Gold Medal for securing the highest CGPA. She also loves to paint, bake, and doodle law illustrations and comics. Hello, Varsha. Welcome to our. Hi, Shita. Thank you for this wonderful introduction. Nice to meet you, and thank you. Before we begin with our topic today that is the role of green intellectual property rights with regard to climate change I would like to ask you what led your interest to merge towards intellectual property rights and then towards becoming a doctoral researcher at the Center for Commercial and Legal Studies School of Law at the Queen Mary University of London where do you see yourself in future and your overall goal towards I um okay so when i answer this question usually it's not something i have planned in ip if i see my journey throughout law so um i started doing my undergrad in ba llb in law um in 2014 and uh throughout my law school journey i kind of um worked towards different areas of law be it internships or volunteering for Uh, various events participating in seminars and uh, moot court competitions as well and i always believe that to figure out what i actually wanted um like through my law school journey was to try different things and um that's when when i started interning i realized that i don't think so i am kind of a person who can go towards corporate law for example and from the very beginning i was interested in academics and research and that's when i tried to do a moot court competition and participated in a moot court competition and that's when i realized that i am not all, like too confident uh, pursuing litigation as my career so i think in these hits and trial method i uh, kind of figured out that like academia is something i genuinely wanted to pursue and i would like to go forward for it and if i look towards my uh, undergrad journey i decided to take up international law and in international law we learned various uh, legal systems and briefly about ipr as well and during my final year i decided that i'm going to appear for 
my masters and that's when i decided that i would go for a masters like llm from india because uh, it was quite difficult for me to think that i can you know like secure maybe a scholarship for masters abroad so i did not give um, a master to pursue masters abroad um, a try but i did appear for CLAT examination for my masters in India and I got in NLU Jodhpur where I decided to pursue intellectual property rights. Um, did I choose and did I uh, think of pursuing IPR as my only one uh, career, uh, you know, like master's uh, subject? Well, no, because um, at that point I was quite open towards either international law or um, maybe constitutional law. But uh, when I started uh, looking towards the modules of NLU Jodhpur and I uh, just thought that that is really like uh, a good opportunity to expand my horizons and that's when I I thought that and it just it, it was just a matter of chance and I never looked back and I thought that was a really good decision to take though it was not pre-planned and I learned so much like of course I had a knowledge about IP but not as a specialization subject from undergrad but as a part of the compulsory module and in postgrad due to the uh, the education system and the modules covered in NLU Jodhpur I learned a lot in IP law and they provided me a lot of opportunities to work on projects uh, and in one of the projects I got to assist Professor Gargi ma'am where I uh, worked for her in one of the government of India's projects and that's when I realized that this is something I would like to pursue further. At that point of time, um, she was applying for her postdoctorate studies where she got into Max Planck um, Institute and in Germany and that was like that is uh, getting into Max Planck for IP is a huge deal and looking at her I said that you know like I really want to pursue my um, PhD and uh, I do have a research proposal in my mind do you think I should apply I don't know how the funding works and I had no idea how it would turn out to be and she encouraged and said like once you do not try and like take the first step you would never know so I guess that was a huge push for me getting from a, such a senior most faculty and such experienced faculty in NLU Jodhpur and um, that's when I decided to uh, take my research work further and I started working on a proposal which was a part of an extended project which I did in one of the subjects like one of the modules of um, IP in uh, NLU Jodhpur and I decided to expand it for a three to four year project and PhD and I started contacting supervisors, talked with many um, potential supervisors, different um, academicians, got really interesting feedbacks, applied for scholarships, talked to different people about how should I, like how this works and how can I go further with my uh, research work. And after that, um, I got, I had a, a video conference with uh, Professor Uma Sutharsanen, who is my current uh, supervisor, along with Professor Duncan Matthews, and um, we discussed about the project. And uh, I applied for the scholarship, and that's when I got Queen Mary, and along with other universities too. And, but at the end of the day, I decided that I would like to go ahead with uh, Queen Mary, and hence this is my journey so far. And what do I see myself uh, further down the line? I do see myself uh, continuing to work in academia and research um, and um, since it's a long journey and as this is an early career research for me, I'm glad at least I took one step towards it and so far I'm genuinely enjoying uh, my PhD journey.
Like that's that's pretty great and interesting as well. And I hope you continue to accelerate towards your goal um, and your journey. Now, now moving towards the main topic of discussion uh, of today. Uh, so I would like to ask you, Barsha. Can you tell me about that? What is your PhD research generally based upon? To touch upon green intellectual property and how can it be used to mitigate change? Okay, so uh, the PhD topic which I'm working on is broadly in IP law and climate change laws, and uh, it is about how environmentally sound technologies can be considered as public global public good and how climate change as national emergency. so as to construe under ip law and as well as non ip flexibilities in a way that such technologies are accessible and such technologies can be used to mitigate climate change um it is quite a broad topic in a way that uh, it is first of all it is looking at how climate change as we all know is a common concern of human kind and how it can be effectively dealt through first of all international cooperation and through international cooperation i look uh, upon the public global public good theory so i can, i'm like uh, construing and like um, working on to prove that can such technologies can be construed as global public good or not can these technologies be accessible and if it's to be accessible what is the definition of access so these are like minute um definite like theoretical framework i'm looking forward to and furthermore i'm also looking into innovation and transfer of such environmentally sound technologies and how it can be used in an effective way to mitigate climate change so uh, if i have to elaborate like briefly i can say that you know like uh, my research is based on few broad research questions the first one is to what extent trips agreement can be used in um, legal and policy space which can facilitate innovation as well as it also enables effective and sustainable technology transfer of such tech, uh, like environmentally sound technologies and the second one as i have mentioned to uh, derive whether uh, environmentally sound technologies can be construed as global public good or not and uh, and also i'm trying to uh, look into this aspect through law and economics perspective and the third part of this is to find out whether like we are talking about like ipr uh, and climate change to answer the question like does ipr act as a barrier to climate change or not like how important ip law is with regard to such technology transfer or access to climate change and in a way like if i have to briefly provide i just want to um coin uh, like uh, not coin a term but more like uh, establish some sort of a green intellectual property regime in a way how ipr as well as non ip flexibilities or alternatives can be employed to mitigate climate change because like i have said we humanity does not have the luxury to wait to handle climate crisis because it is such a emergency at this particular point and such um, effectiveness and such answers are necessary to have and this research kind of looks towards these issues Barsha uh, how important green intellectual property is in contemporary times um so like i have said uh, like our if we look into today's like economy and uh, today's whole system uh, we there is no denying like the recent ipcc report to said that like the the 
the climate change that has taken place is you cannot go back to pre-industrial times because the change is has taken place like there is it's inevitable that you can get back to those times but what you can do is there is like fast action like prevention so um i kind of like so that is why i focus so much on this issue to say that it is important to uh take action now like step for prevention rather than you know that um, time passes by so um so i do believe like uh, researching on such sustainable and like uh, issues where you can mitigate climate change is important and need of an hour because we cannot afford another pandemic or the next like, next issue which people say is like next emergency could be climate you know climate crisis which we have started to experience so um I do believe that such technologies like green IT especially with environmentally sound technologies the access is vital for all countries despite of their developmental needs and it is important to also note that when climate crisis hits it affects countries not in an equal way but in a different way so not every country is in an equal position so it is important to now see where such technology and where such concentration and um, you know like ownership of these technologies lies so the current claim is that such access is difficult why is it difficult because first there is the current literature shows that there is negligible or insufficient um, technology transfer due to dearth of international legal instrument like there is no concrete legal instrument which says that you have to do it like there is um, it is not there we have seen from paris agreement to other um, other international instrument as well they do talk about technology transfer but it is not legally binding the second thing is that if we look into the concentration of uh, such technologies it lies in the hands of very few countries or the developed countries especially the corporations as well so it is um, also important to understand because since like i have said each country suffers from climate crisis in a different way each each country have differently access different access to technologies so the major concern is that the current literature which points out is in a very um, limited way in a like th- this is a research gap which i am talking about in my thesis that you know the scholarships have like a limited amount of empirical studies of limited countries limited technologies so there is a need of case specific like a sector specific and a geographical location specific research so uh, i try to collect various data which i can explain later um, in the podcast too and uh, in a more way to find that um, you know fill the research gap of the lack of empirical exist like empirical evidence in such claims so um, yeah so this uh, thesis basically explores and critically analyzes this assumption by focusing on the relation of ipr to environmentally sound technologies uh, and one of the case studies which i'm trying to do is like a case study of india as well like where i would like to interview various um uh, stakeholders in this area uh thank you so much for explaining us and now moving on to the uh, next discussion is that since we know uh there exists green technology clean technology and environmentally sound technology what is the difference between them uh yeah um okay this is really important question specifically if you look into you know like when we talk about like green technologies like it's it 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 can be easily used to uh you know like you can interchangeable in an interchangeable way uh but this is where i kind of like say it is um 
it is important to differentiate so that we can get an idea what technology and what um what definition we are working on towards building the green ip regime so clean technology so clean technologies is basically influenced by outcome driven purchases and uh, the green technology is mostly influenced by policies and the regulation for example like if a policy or regulation says that this particular technology is sustainable or something that is like um, if it's in an, any policy or regulation that is also known as uh, green technology and both of them overlap to cover anything like for example energy transportation water and material sector uh, like that now if we talk about environmentally sound technologies uh that is something i'm working like i use this definition towards furthering the green ip regime it is because uh this this uh, environmentally sound technology covers not only the output like the hardware or output but it also covers like the technological know how and knowledge for example how that particular technology has come up secondly it also covers the human skills like you know the uh, research and uh, resource and development that is like put towards uh to put that outcome of that technology it also not just human skills but also capital goods the entire production system so a particular technology which is there today all everything included regarding knowledge the output and everything put together to come to that output covers environmentally sound technology so the very good definition is given in agenda 21 chapter 34 in chapter 34 they have mentioned um uh, the definition of en- transfer of uh, environmentally sound technology cooperation capacity building there if you read the uh, that particular chapter you can also see that how they have used uh, terms they have also taken into account and used the words such as less polluting process and product technologies using less uh, like they use terms in a way that what of that particular technology which is environmentally friendly today may not be environmentally friendly tomorrow so it is very important to differentiate that because time goes on the climate keeps on changing and technologies keep on improving so it may take it may happen that a particular technology which is very environmentally friendly may not be tomorrow or a uh, technology which was today which was day before yesterday or something like that may not be environmentally friendly today so it is important to have the dynamic and keep on rolling and i also find this uh, definition very interesting because they take into account of not just that but also about recognition and compatibility with socio economic cultural and environmental priorities which is important like if we look into you know various country, like places and geographical location and how culture and socio economic issues um make a difference with that and uh barsha uh, how are you looking at this technologies to mi- mitigate climate change with regard to ipr okay uh, so i am looking at like uh, these environmentally friendly technologies in a way that um in one of my chapter i have done an empirical research where i'm trying to see uh first of all where what are these technologies so there have been data available of like various type of technologies first of all that recognizing what technologies they are and secondly to see that how, where the patent ownership of these technologies lies like who are the owners of such technology and secondly i want to see that you know like uh, such technologies exist and see that 
why like about the economic cost of them and about the transfer of technology of these technologies and also to see that does a country need it like is there a way a country or a, like um a country have faced uh, issues with getting that technology due to ip or not in other words to see whether ip acts as a barrier to climate change or not yes that that's it uh would you like to tell us about uh, technology transfer with regards to ipr and climate change yes like uh, like i have said it is important because like um technology transfer has been highlighted in the international legal system for quite some time and uh, in existing literature it points that there is you know like negligible technology transfer of such environmentally sound technology due to legal instruments because it's not binding and the concentration of such technologies lies in the hand of few countries or like only major corporation so it is important to understand that um so, like first of all to build that whether such technology transfer of such tech, like such environmentally sound technology is being hand, hindered by ip law or not because it is like in that debate too we can see that the existing debate is in two schools like one says yes and one says no there is no middle ground and this is where i point in my research that it is important to have a geographical location or sector specific research because we cannot generalize the whole thing because a country may feel they do not need it but another country may feel they do so that is why we have to look into such needs and such barriers from a very geographical location and specific research way so that is why i feel is um, that need to see technology transfer with regard to ip and climate change from a very specific lens um how important was the uh, interplay of ipr during the covid times and also in regard to the roll out of vaccinations by uh, far yeah that is very interesting because like um of course we have seen the debate of trips waiver and like how india south africa have been advocating in wto for um you know trips waiver with regard to access to vaccines which is like uh, very much essential but at the same time we hear phrases like how ipr is more like um important which raises to another question like um like there are two laws like human rights law like like access to medical like medicine and medical care and then secondly it is like you know like commercial right of ip when the protection of it so how can we balance those like how can we see that and in a similar way it is very important uh, i feel is like covid is a pandemic which we can see we can see people suffering through it we can see people dying we can see the urgency and um and there is proof that you know the, that acts like uh, the corporation have access to vaccines due to ip law they are not sharing the vaccine know hows that that clearly shows that due to corporation and due to ip law it acts as a barrier to access to such medical care like vaccines the different it is like this is what i drew similarities between uh, covid and climate change however climate there is a huge like stark difference from it like this is what i would like to say what lessons are learned from covid first of all is uh, when we see into you know roll out of vaccine from such pharmaceutical companies um it has been a proof that such pharmas own those and such pharmas have monopoly over it whereas in case of climate change and such technologies we do not have proof like in a way there's 
there is still a debate that you know like whether climate change is real or not climate deniers are there are such people in a vast amount first of all that second of all climate change is not as visible as covid pandemic like as covid pandemic is so that creates another issue of like why it is people do not take it as a matter of urgency you have to like stress way too much like fight for climate changes that is why it's longer than that of vaccine sorry covid but it also gives a very um, positive view that like you know like in this in this fight for access to vaccine sorry vaccines in covid uh, pandemic one can push forward this activism towards you know climate change the second thing is that um, there is there comes a deadlock with literature and debate too that do you actually think that corporations are hindering access to such technologies in case of climate change that comes another question because the current literature do not have concrete proof like i have said it's like very um, divided into specific researches and two different side of like very two extremes of like yes ip acts as a barrier or no ip do not act as a barrier so this is why my research kind of like focuses on like more specific country specific and sector specific way to show that how um, the barrier exists or do not exist Uh, thank you now uh, moving on to the next question of uh, barsha uh, looking at the past uh, which concerned the covid-19 situation uh, what views do you yeah. have upon the situation related to ipr uh, and its interplay with climate change and the future regarding the technological advancement uh one of the lessons which can be learned from covid uh, pandemic and i kind of like look towards it in a very pessimistic way that given the matter of situation like it was so urgent yet we could not achieve towards trips waiver or like any flexibility if we look into doha declaration to it took decades to you know come up to doha declaration and for access to medicines for example and to that is why i feel is like to act on climate change it is important to start that debate from now so that we can achieve to something again like i have said humanity do not have luxury to keep on waiting so till the time how can we how can we do something to you know uh, mitigate it or address like such um, climate change um, you know climate change issues so that is why like uh, my research kind of also looks into non ip ways like and um, it is interesting to note like from uh, covid um, in in the pandemic to who has released cetap like with regard to patent pooling however it was not a success but it can it be used as you know uh, some sort of an alternative till the time we you know like find some ways to mitigate climate change and i with regard to ip yes so i kind of like also talk upon if we can have some sort of technology pooling from a collective global approach and more than that can we have some sort of open innovation pooling or not and um and maybe some sort of legislation to facilitate easier compulsory licensing of technologies if that comes and global system to share know-how and trade secrets and also understanding and more like having an initiative on such publicly funded technology so my research is uh, basically looks upon you know like such technologies which are there right now and the countries who are willing to come up rather than having a whole international corporation whosoever wants to come up you know can come up as a patent pooling or not and have some sort of like understanding and 
the example I can come up with maybe like a bilateral or multilateral agreement for South-South solidarity maybe. So these are the few examples which talks about like non-IP laws and like non-IP ways of looking into this um, uh, issue of climate change and learning a bit from COVID-19 pandemic as well. Thank you so much for answering all my questions. Uh, it was a very interesting yeah. session. But at the end, I would like to ask you, uh, what are the yeah. motives and life lessons uh, you always go by that have helped you in life and you'd like to disseminate towards your listeners? Because I'm also one of your juniors and even I would like to listen um, the life lessons and motives that you carry on for your life. Oh, that is such a nice question. But like, um, I think uh, like when I was an undergrad or postgrad, like I used to feel, you know, like um, like academically maybe pressured a little bit and kind of like think that, oh, like if things will work out or not. And um, first of all, I always tell everyone it is important to, you know, sometimes step back. And even if it is getting very hectic or, you know, you do not know what is going to happen in future, uh, I always say is that you know take a step back take things slow plan things out it is important to sometimes plan if that works for you and eventually things does work out if you plan it in a way um, plan it in a way to have some you know option A option B option C because you need backup options so that is one thing and second thing I genuinely like I think that is the most important thing I always abide by is to take care of your mental health because I feel it's like in this current you know law school is already very hectic and um, uh, coming from I have been always vocal about my mental health since you know like um, like my law school days and it had taken a toll with um, given that how current you know environment and situation are so much competition so much you know um, your aims are there but yet it's so difficult to reach to that level so I feel it's like Take, like things does work out sometimes if you have to take a step back do take it and your journey is unique to yours like we do kind of like compare ourselves with everyone that oh they got it so soon or when will I get it or I'm not achieving it so sometimes take things slow and one important thing is you know like talk 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 about it like if you're struggling through something like do like mental health you have to prioritize like that is something like I genuinely like think of and it's important to reach out to people you know you know uh, during those times and one of the important thing I kind of feel is you know if you do not try you would never know I, I never thought in my wildest dream that I would ever get a scholarship or I would ever get selected from PhD because I did my master's from India. I did not even think of, you know, like I did not even know a single person who did master's and undergrad from India and then got a funding for their research in um, or PhD. But then um, that's what I tell myself. If you do not uh, like if you do not try, you would never know. So do try. Do not be afraid of trying and internet is your best friend you get every answer from internet if you use linkedin use twitter reach out to people and there are people to help you like if you want to like especially speaking from academia people are like if you want to apply for some academic uh, position and you do not know how it is like speak to people if one person doesn't reply definitely the two or third person would definitely get back to you so yeah um and uh, it is difficult, but I always go by this motto, this too shall pass. So definitely things will get better. 
I think yeah. we all listeners uh, should take note of this mottos and life lessons from Barsha. And it's been great to host you because you've been my super senior when I entered law school that is National Law University Assam and it has always been a pleasure seeing you achieve great achievements like late Srimati Vandana Devendra Mehta Memorial Gold Medal for securing the uh, top CGPA and then seeing you pursue your PhD from Queen Mary University London and becoming the recipient of Herschel Smith Scholar. Words will fall short how much we are proud of you and I hope you continue making your juniors especially me and everyone around me proud and you accelerate towards your journey. Thank you so much and I would like to add a few words here. Uh, thank you for this initiative and I always like encourage this a lot. Like this is like you taking up initiative for the podcast and spreading knowledge. It's very important and this is what I strongly abide by. Like it is important to spread knowledge and what you are doing in the field of IP and as well as competition law as well. Um, I'm sure like this podcast would be helpful for so many students and so many people who are interested in this area and all the best for it like all the best for it and like i'm proud of you too thank you so much thank you so much it was an honor it was indeed an interesting session i would like to thank all this episode and barsha it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast and discuss the role of green intellectual property rights with regard to climate change for questions, suggestions, and recommendations, please feel free to contact us on our Instagram or LinkedIn accounts. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of our podcast. Hope to hold shows every Sunday. This way, we all will learn together the aspects and prospects of IPR and competition law. This is In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. See you soon. Episode. Thank you.